Oh, good. Thank you. Boker Tov, ladies. We continue our Amunashir. Lilay Nishma Shandel Gittel Bas Chaim Shaul. Whose Nishama should have an Aliyah. And I also want to dedicate it to my grandfather's memory, whose year is this week. Shmuel Ben Rabbiana Gedalia. We're on page Nun Beis, page 7. Still plowing our way through. Plowing actually suggests we're going quickly. Still making our way through the Slanam Rebbe's Nesiva Shalom, Yisodei Torah, his Prakim on Emuna, which has been a great springboard for our conversations on Emuna. Last week we talked about the relationship between Heshtadlis and Emuna, between human initiative and faith. What's the right ratio? How much work do we have to put in and how much is up to Hashem? And people take either one to the extreme and it's very unbalanced. You can work 18 hours a day because you think that's what it will take to get rich. And that's a failure of Amuna because it means you think Hashem can't make you rich in working 10 hours a day. On the other hand, you can sit on your couch doing nothing and say, Hashem will send money. I have such Amuna, Hashem will take care. And that's a failure because Hashem wants to see us show faith in Him, both with our lips through tefillah as well as with our feet and hands through the action. So we talked about, or we began the discussion of what is the relationship between emuna or bitachon and eshtadlis? How much effort on our part and how much should we sit back and rely on Hashem? For example, in the area of shiduchim, it says, the, uh, the Gemara says, beginning of Sota, that uh, 40 days after a person is conceived, a baskol goes out and announces, bas ploni leploni, that so-and-so will marry so-and-so. And the Medrash Chazal say in a number of places that since God created the world, He's been on vacation. What is He doing since creating the world? What takes up God's time every day since He created the world? And Chazal say, what's He doing? He's doing Mizavik Zivugim. He's making Shiduchim. It's so challenging and difficult, so hard to find two people who are compatible and can build a life together successfully. We see the statistics bear that out. That it takes the Almighty, the divine intervention itself. Hashem is Mizavik Zivugim. So the Gra, based on this, the Vilna Gona has a tradition that because we believe more explicitly than any other area of life that Hashem intervenes and intercedes, that Hashem has providence over Shiduchim, one must not do too much initiative. So it doesn't... Okay, it says with Parnasa also that uh, earning a Parnasa is as difficult as Kriyas Yamsuf. We gave a shir on that on Pesach. Why is it that earning a living is as challenging? Why is the metaphor it's as challenging as the splitting of the sea? But the area of life where it says most explicitly that God is intervening and dictating, is zivugim, is shiduchim. Is getting married, is finding a compatible life partner. So the Vilna Gon said, because it says so explicitly that God is directly involved, we should not show too much initiative. And Shlomo Zaman Arabach Zatzal says you still should show some initiative. You can't sit back on your couch and say, I'm waiting for the right one to come and find me and pick me up. You have to show some initiative. But paradoxically, this is the one area of life where people show hyper-initiative, too much initiative. I know that because I receive phone calls every week on behalf of the single people in our community and uh, with reference calls. They want to find out. And you want to say like, okay, what happened to the Yamuna? Where's the Bitocha? I answered a few of your questions. I can't give you a complete medical, psychological profile in history. I can't answer your, uh, you know, I can't respond to your investigation, which is more like an inquisition. So, Davka uh, in that area. So the point is, Davka specifically in the area where it says so explicitly that God expresses His providence is the area which we should show less initiative instead of more. So the point is this. We don't think about this very much. We go through our daily lives and we 
work our tails off or we do what we're supposed to do and we don't stop and pause and say, what's the right recipe? How much initiative and how much amuna? How much do I need to do and how much do I sit back and realize I put it in Hashem's hands? And while there's no, the Salam Rebbe said last week, there's no one right, one fits all answer for everybody because it's proportional to the amount of faith that we have. Everybody has to figure out and formulate the answer for themselves. However, the key thing is we should be thinking about it and we should be thinking in these ways. How much initiative and how much bitachon, where does Hashem fit in my life? I'm trying to arrange these travel plans. I'm trying to get this job. I'm trying to earn this parnasa. I'm trying to get married. I'm trying to set myself up or my family, my children or grandchildren. I'm trying whatever arena of I'm trying. What is that right ratio of hishtadlus enemuna? And as we quoted last week, the famous, so famous, I have no idea who said it, but the famous quote that you've got to act as if it's all up to you and pray as if it's all up to God. Act as if it's all up to you. But Davin is if it's all up to God. Okay, we're in the uh, second paragraph in the right-hand column, page 9, base, page 7. And this is the, these are the words of the Maharal, Rabbi Hudaloi of Prague, in his Nesivas Olam. That the capacity for Bitachon is so great the possibility is so great that if we can tap into that highest level of bitachon with all of our heart and with the greatest sincerity, then we can make everything for us be latova. Now, it's, it's an amazing insight, like it was for Rabbi Akiva and Nachum Gamzu. Do you know Rabbi Akiva's end? Did Rabbi Akiva's end, life end on a high? He was not surrounded by children and grandchildren at 120 years old, you know, living in comfort with a wonderful palliative care. That's not how Rabbi Akiva left this world. His skin was combed by the Romans. He was, he was, he was tortured and murdered. And yet, he's the example, Rabbi Akiva and Nachamish Gamzu, of how they were able to live a great life. So isn't that a contradiction? How could you say it's living a great life for people who live a life that's defined and characterized by suffering? This is the key insight of Bitachon. If you take nothing else from this class, it's take this. Bitachon and Amuna are not, are not instruments or keys to make everything in your life good. They're not. You could still step on a nail. You still get diagnosed with a horrible disease. You could still have a miscarriage or struggle with infertility or have no parnasa or struggle to find your partner. Amuna and Bitachon are not the secret magic formula. It's not that, you know what? You know what your problem is? You don't have Amuna and Bitachon. If you do, all of a sudden, everything's going to go right for you. And the Yankees will break the seven-game losing streak. It's not that if you have Amun Abitachon, all of a sudden everything reverses and all of your dreams come true and it's a magical place on earth. That's not what Amun Abitachon promises. And if you come to this class or you learn about Amun Abitachon and that's what you think is going to happen, you're getting sold a, a, a bad bill of good. It's not what happens. That's not what Amun Abitachon do. It's not what Amun Abitachon did for Abikiva and Nachum Gamzu, and it's not what it can do for us. What do Amun Abitachon do for us? That whatever it is we're enduring, whatever it is we have to face, whatever challenge we have to confront, it gives us the tools, the support, the strength to be able to see even the good in that. Even the good in that. The worst circumstances. You talk to survivors, not all, and not at all times, but many talk to survivors, they can find and tell you something good from their experience. And I give that as the most extreme example in the world. 
the most extreme example in the world. We're going to Poland on Sunday with a group, leading a tour for a week. We're going to have class next week. I was talking to Yochever about what happened, stepping on a nail and having to have it surgically removed. Could you imagine if you were an inmate in Auschwitz, Maidanek and Treblinka, and that happened to you? There was no pause. You stepped on a splinter in the forest. You do it. There was no. So what, you're going to complain about it? Here we have the tools to get it out. In record time, no big deal. Heal, keep your foot up. Every, yeah, again, I'm not saying that we should therefore never feel pain or not feel upset about having something happen to us because imagine if it happened to you in Auschwitz. That's not the solution to life. You know, always imagine if it happened to you in, in Auschwitz. But the, but the point is that the survivors are the most extreme examples of challenges and suffering in life. And if they had the capacity to be able to see good and to see the tova in it, then we do as well. So what Amuna and Bitochon are, Amuna and Bitochon are not the means or mechanism through which you can make everything in your life good. But they're the means and mechanism to be able to see the good in everything in your life. So that whatever challenge, whatever struggle, whatever obstacle that you are confronting, you're able to see the good. You're able to realize and feel this is what's meant to be. This has happened for a reason. Nothing is random, nothing is chance, nothing is accidental, nothing is data, nothing is a statistic. If I'm going through this, it happened for a reason. And now I can embrace it. Because I can either sit back and say, I can't believe this happened to me, and it's so ridiculous this happened to me, and I'm so upset this happened to me, and why is this happening to me, and I don't deserve this to happen to me, and I'm going to cry my way through it happening to me. Or you can say, I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to try to reverse it, taking all the initiative I can, but whatever I'm confronting, it happened for a reason. There is a reason. So for Rabbi Kiva and Nachamish Gamzu, let's reread that. You can have botchem bo yizbarach b'cholev. You could have trust in Hashem with all of your heart. So that everything that happens to you, you see through the prism of it being good. Not that all that happens to you is good, but all that happens to you, you can see the good in it. When you put your trust in Hashem that He can save you, that not all hope is lost, that there is a possibility, that nothing is random, that you're going through it for a reason. Whatever is meant to be, will be. Whatever happened was meant to be. What does the Pasuk say? Even if, according to the rules of this world, according to strict justice, according to the laws of consequences, you're not deserving of God's intervention, according to the Olam Hazeh perspective, you didn't behave in such a way you were deserving of His intervening. But if you have bitachon, you can tap into olam haba. If you with bitachon, you can tap into and make a withdrawal from your account upstairs that becomes worthy of God's intervention that brings salvation and miracles you never could have imagined. We're going to Lezhinsk next week. So the Rebbe Rebbe Elimelech maybe b'sifron is noam Elimelech ki boteach balev ne'eman that if you can achieve that highest level of bitachon, you can tap into parnasa without pain. 
וכגשם ההולך בלא יגיע, ורק אם הוא מחוסר ביטחון, צורך להשתדלוס לא יגיע דבר יום ביומו. When a person has to exert great effort and it comes with great toil and pain, it reflects a lack of emuna and bitachon. If you're living with emuna and bitachon, it doesn't have those things. Now you can interpret that in one of two ways. Either literally, that if you have that highest level of bitachon, everything flows to you, shefa bracha, without any pain. Or you can interpret it, that because you're living with emuna and bitachon and you're embracing whatever amount of work it takes to earn that, that's not painful. Because you realize that's my avodah. That's my effort. That's what it takes for me. K'mo shemesupar al-alshach ha-kadosh. Sh'adarosh b'beis ha-knesa sh'abotech b'ashem l'tzorach l'asos davar l'parnasaso. Ki im l'eshev b'beis ha-medjv l'asos b'toro t'vila v'ashem yazmin l'parnasaso. The alshach took it to the extreme that if you really believe, if you really believed, if you were at that highest level, and we're not suggesting trying this at home, but if you were at that highest level, like the Ramban writes about going to the doctor, if you were at that highest level, you wouldn't need to go to the doctor. You'd sit back, you'd dive into Hashem, He's the Rofei Cholem. So too with Parnassah. If you could be at that highest level, you wouldn't need to work. You could lean and rely exclusively on Hashem. We don't believe that. So the Alshech announced this in his base Medrash one time. And this lowly wagon driver heard it and listened and it entered his heart. And because he felt it in his heart, he embraced it with all of his being, this lowly wagon driver discovered a suitcase filled with gold. And the Al-Sheikh was asked, why did this lowly wagon driver, we were all at Yashir, we sit and learn Torah all day long, we're so much more righteous, why was he Zohar, why did he merit to discover the suitcase full of gold, not us? And the Al-Sheikh answered, because your emuna is so highfalutin analysis and debate and what does exactly it mean and therefore there's an element of doubt his emuna is so simple so passionate what we call emuna pshuta a simple leap of faith he let go and let God he said really it's up to Hashem I'm good to go I have no fear I have no worry I don't ask what if I am entirely dependent rely on Hashem and when a person can embrace the level of emuna pshuta like that then there's Zohar, then they merit to that kind of degree of, of bracha. Okay, continuing the next column. And this path is the one that our rabbis have taught us in each and every generation. That we should aspire and aim, we should be ambitious to live life with that level of amuna. Whatever happens, whatever injury, whatever traffic, whatever complication, whatever disappointment, whatever blessing, whatever positive, whatever unexpected great thing that happened, to always see the bracha in everything that is going on, to look for the hashkacha pratis, and to place your bitachon in Hashem, to put your entire faith in Hashem. I'll tell you this uh, story just as an illustration. I was telling you before that last week, without even knowing it, I stepped on a nail that embedded itself in my foot. I didn't even know it because I didn't even see it. It went straight into my foot. I thought I just cut my foot. Then I thought I had an infection. And only with the x-ray yesterday did I find out there was a nail in, in my foot. So I saw a podiatric surgeon, and uh, they tried to get it out in their office with a local anesthetic. I won't describe what that was like. It was unpleasant. Yeah. Let's just say I was sitting back breathing and saying, Ain't od milvado. Ain't yeah. od milvado. Yeah. Hashem, guide the hand, find the nail. Yeah. Sometimes Hashem says no. He said no. So we had to go to the OR to have it done there, to be put to sleep. And, you know, I'm leading this trip to Poland on Sunday, so I was eager to do anything I could yesterday to get it out, to give the maximum time to heal. Yeah. 
So they were going to schedule it for today, the next day, with the assumption that I had eaten yesterday. It just happened to be that I was so busy in the morning and the whole day that I literally had not had anything to eat or drink. Wow. And this was at uh, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So we were able to schedule it to do it. And right away, my feeling was, Hodul Hashem Kitov. I was so grateful to Hashem for the Hashkacha yeah. that for whatever reason, He made me so occupied and preoccupied you know, that, that I hadn't had anything to eat or drink or I wouldn't have qualified to be able to have it done. You have to see. Now, you can either look at yesterday's story and blame Hashem. I can't believe you put a nail on my foot and I can't believe they couldn't get it out locally and I can't believe I had to go through that whole process. You could say, for whatever reason that was meant to be, thank you for your kindness within it being meant to be that you ordained that I wouldn't have had anything to eat or drink so that it could be scheduled to have it happen. You have to see that something so fluky, such a fluke to step on a nail, not even see it, not be able to pull it out. It's such a fluke. It's clearly Yad Hashem. Yeah. What was I meant to learn from it? I don't know. That's my avoda. I got to figure out to wear shoes in the house. I sound like my mother-in-law. So uh, to wear shoes in the house. I mother-in-law. Nothing wrong with that. So maybe that, maybe that was the lesson. You got to ask yourself, you know, what was, what's my personal avoda? What's the lesson I meant to learn? What can I extract from this experience? Why did I have to undergo it? It's a personal question you ask yourself, and it's a personal response that you have to figure out. But the key is to figure out, what's my, where do I see Yad Hashem? Do I blame God? Do I think it's a fluke it had nothing to do with God? Or do I realize such a circumstance is so unusual that uh, it must be, it's Yad Hashem. There's something for me to learn from it. Yeah, I, I, I hate to interrupt the class, but I also think, isn't it also not just for you, necessary the doctor had to do for whatever reason he was meant to have right. a special surgery we're so interwoven that we can never I mean when you say we maybe sometimes you can see it I think most times we really cannot understand and and how could we ever if God is infinite we're finite so it's such a web of interacting between people there's a great great point meaning there's such a matrix and intersection between our lives that you move one piece a million pieces move yeah so only the Ribbono Shalom, but that makes us even more impressed. Because it means only the Ribbono Shalom, only the Almighty upstairs is able to understand the intersection and interaction and matrix of all the moving pieces simultaneously. I think that's very healthy. So we do our job to just see within our own lives His hand, but to think that we can take a snapshot of the whole picture and see it, we absolutely can't. The Rebbe quotes, when he had to face or confront a particularly difficult challenge, that there was no means within the natural world to see how salvation could arrive. He would try to inspire and support a sense of bitachon and amuna, of trust and faith, till the person himself became the conduit of the salvation. Sometimes when we dive into Hashem and we're waiting for God to interact, we have such a muna, we put our trust in Hashem, God makes something happen from the outside. Make something external happen to me. I'm putting my trust in you. We don't realize that God has responded by putting the power in our own hands. And that's why the hishtadlis comes in. In other words, God's response. We say, God, I'm letting go, letting God. I'm not doing anything. I'm falling back and I'm putting it all in your hands. I have the highest level of regard, the greatest trust, the greatest faith in you. I'm handing it off to you. God's response is, don't hand it off to me. 
Because what I'm doing for you is I'm putting the power in your own hands to solve your problem. That's the Pasuk. Within one's hand, the emuna can yield that the solution, the answer is within one's own hands. And we show God that we have emuna within Him. God, I have such faith in you, I'm proceeding anyway. Like the Rebbe described last week, when Nachshon ben Aminadav walked into the sea, it was an irrational, ridiculous, absurd move. Oh, we're stuck? The Egyptians are pursuing us? The sea's in front of us? I have an idea. Let me walk in. Walk in? If, someone, if they formed a committee and someone proposed that idea, they'd be laughed out of the room. Are you out of your mind? That's your idea? That's your big idea? What, are you crazy? And then nothing happened at his ankles, at his knees, at his waist. You know what I need to do? I need to keep walking. Keep walking? You out of your mind? Goes up to his chest, to his shoulders, to his neck. You know what? I need to keep walking. Covers his mouth, and now he's up to his nostrils. Says, you know what I need to do? Keep, keep walking. What are you, crazy? The answer is, sometimes we display emuna by putting one foot in front of the other against all odds. Against all odds. One continues with the treatment. One continues with the therapy. One continues with the effort. One continues with the initiative. Even though it seems all hope is lost, it makes no sense, there's no reason to. And this is not something that we should impose on others. It's something a person has to choose for themselves. But sometimes the way we display our emunah in Hashem is literally putting one foot in front of the other. Is the emunah by adav emunah? The emunah is what we do with our hands. Do we continue? Do we show the initiative? Do we make the effort? Even when it seems the situation is hopeless. So this Rebbe had a schooler. I'm not such a schooler guy, but this Rebbe had this nice practice. Let's call it that. That when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel hopeless and helpless, when you feel the situation is beyond repair, make a bracha of shahakal. You can't just make a bracha for no reason. Get a cup of water. Yeah. Get a glass of soda. Make a cup of coffee. Do something. Have a steak. Do something that will precipitate making a shahakol. Because within that bracha is shakol niyeh bidvaro. That all came into being with his word. That within that bracha you remind yourself, my problem having to do with the X, Y, or Z, I think God can't handle that problem. Everything that exists is an expression of the Almighty. There was nothing. There was a vacuum, there was chaos, there was tovavo. We don't even know what nothing looks like because we can't imagine nothing. When we try to picture nothing, we picture an empty black space. But that's something. We don't even know what nothing is. We can't even picture it. We can't even relate to it. We can't identify with it. We've never experienced it. We can't even imagine nothing. But whatever that nothing was, is what existed until Hashem bidvaro. Be'eser ma'amaros nivra olam. God created the world with ten sayings. For a long time, we didn't understand what that meant. We couldn't relate to that. Now we can. Because now you can say, if I were to say, Hey Siri, half of your phones would answer. Half of your phones would jump and say, What? And you'd say, Now you have everything. Turn on the lights in my house. Lower the air conditioning. You could tell your Tesla, Drive my car from me. Make a right turn here. It's unbelievable what you can do today. Speech recognition, you can make things happen. You tell the 3D printer, Hey 3D printer, print a piece of jewelry for me. So you're creating. We, more than any generation, can identify with the idea that speech recognition, you can create through speech. When you learn that Mishnah in Avos for the last 5,777 years, you said, what? What are you talking about? 
You could talk and something happens? That makes no sense. We've never seen such a thing. Yeah. You talk and something happens. Can't be. We live in a generation, you say, you could talk and something happens? Yeah, what's the big deal? I do that all the time. <laughs> so to relate to the fact that Hashem did that, but Hashem didn't just get Siri to tell him what time the movie is. Hashem didn't just get Siri to tell him where the, uh, where the uh, traffic is or how to avoid it. Hashem didn't just tell, but rather, Hashem spoke and the entire world as we know it came into being. And, and we remind ourselves that every time we make the bracha. Shakol niyeh bidvaro. That everything exists and happened bidvaro with his word. So I'm going through a particular challenge. I have a migraine that won't go away. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm late to the appointment. I've got whatever it is that I get frustrated or disappointed by. Find a glass of water and make a shahakol. And remember, Hashem created everything. He created this particular challenge. He can get you out of it. One of my daughters at their bat mitzvah, was it Leora? Said a beautiful Dvar Torah on Shakol Niyab Dvaro. It wasn't you. I think it was Leora. She said, How come the other brachas all speak to exactly the food? Bore Priya eats. Eat a fruit of the tree. You reference the fact that the fruit of the tree. You eat a vegetable from the ground. Bore Priya Dama. You reference the vegetable of the ground. You eat grain. Bore Mine Mizonos, who created, who created grain. You make hamot, you eat bread. You make hamot, lechem in aretz. And then you have a glass of water. You say this generic shakol niya bidvaro. Why is it a generic shakol niya bidvaro? I forgot who she quoted. But she quoted a beautiful answer. That when you go to a restaurant and you order whatever it is for, you go to a coffee house, you go to Starbucks. The markup on that cup of coffee is ginormous, as kids would say. Right? It is almost indefensible, the markup on that cup of coffee. How do they get away with it? Because what are you paying for? You're not just paying for the cup of coffee. Because if you stop at the gas station on the way to the Starbucks, that same cup of coffee costs one-tenth of the price. What are you paying for? The environment, the experience. You're paying for the, you know, they'll ask, oh, you went to that new restaurant? How was the ambiance? Pay for the ambiance. There's a huge markup. Anytime you're eating in a restaurant, if you calculate the cost of the actual food item, that's not what you're paying. There is also, you're built in, there's a premium you're paying for the ambiance. Shakol niebed varo is not just on the cup of water. It's the ambiance within which you're drinking the cup of water. You're not just having a cup of coffee. You have a beautiful view. You're in a beautiful setting. You're in a comfortable room with air conditioning. There's an ambiance. There's an atmosphere that you're also making the bracha for. So the generic bracha on the other miscellaneous foods that fall between these groups, drinks, other foods, you're not just making a bracha on that food, you're acknowledging and making a bracha on the greater ambiance. Shakol niebedvaro. Everything. God created the ambiance. The sun is in the sky, which is no small thing in Boca Raton in the month of June, this month of June. The sun is in the sky and it's a beautiful view and it's a comfortable room. And I'm with friends, and I'm sitting on a comfortable chair. And so the shahako is not just on the cup of coffee. Some of you have a Dunkin' Donuts cup of coffee in front of you. Shahako is not just on the cup of coffee that you made. It's on the comfortable chair you're sitting in. It's on the AC that some of you wish wouldn't be blowing as hard, but I'm very grateful for. It's on the lights that are illuminating the room. It's on the beautiful setting that we're sitting in. 
the shahakal applies in a much broader perspective. So the Islam Rebbe here quotes from this Rebbe that shahakal niyebidvaro when you're feeling overwhelmed by judgment, when you're feeling hopeless and helpless, when you're feeling there's no way out, when you're feeling that you need support or strength to endure whatever challenge you're going through, make a bracha, find a cup of water, make a cup of coffee, and realize Shem created everything. There's a rhyme and a reason. There's a matrix and an intersection. Hashem is the master chess player, moving all the pieces who sees the entire picture and understands what is happening. And that gives us the strength. Hopefully it brings blessing, but it also just gives us the strength to see the blessing within whatever we're going through. Ad Kama, we're on the next section. Oz Dalad, page 7. See where we are? Ad Kama Hashpasa Bitochan Bashem. To what degree is the influence of Amuna and Bitachon, Shekoma da Ovid Rahmana, Latov Ovid, Laura Bahanhaga Hayona Laham Shechesed Varachamim, that this principle the Gemara has from Bikiva, the Koman da Ovid Rahmana Latova Ovid, everything that God does is Latov, is for the good. Everything Hashem does in our life is for the good. Everything. They say it's for the good. I go through a lot of painful things. Why would Hashem want me to endure pain? Not me personally. People go through painful circumstances. Why in the world would Hashem want that? So Latav Avid means that everything is somehow, we don't understand it and we don't see it right now, but in the greater picture, in the greater scheme of things, everything is for the best. Komanda Avid Rahmana, all that God does, Latav Avid, He does for the best. And we come back to a theme that we've repeated many, many times. That if we see Hashem as our Father in Heaven, we understand that our parents don't, our parents or we as parents, don't always, or good parents, don't just say yes to everything. And don't allow their children to do anything. That whether it's the little kid who sticks their finger in the outlet and you have to smack their hand, they run in the street and you have to give them the patch, or the bigger kid who has to, who has to, um, what do you call it? You can't go out? Grounded. Has to be grounded and they're not allowed to go out? Never. The bigger kid is grounded and can't go out. And the, from the perspective of the child, we all remember when we were children, you say to your parent, why do you hate me? Why don't you love me? Can't believe you're making me miss that party. You hate me. Can't believe you're not letting me go to that event. You hate me. I can't believe uh, you don't want me to be happy. Why would you do that? And what do we as parents say to the children? I don't expect you to be happy with my decision, but all I ask is that you know everything I do, I do for your best interest. Every, I don't expect you to understand it, I don't expect you to be happy with it. All I want you to know is that whatever we're doing, it's because what we think is best for you. That's all we want as parents. So here as parents, we're able to say to our children, whatever consequence or accountability or punishment that I'm bestowing upon you, all I ask of you is that you understand and embrace and see that I'm doing it for your best interest. Then we turn to Hashem as His children, and now we sound like our children. Hashem, why would you do this to me? Don't you love me? If you loved me, you wouldn't do this. And all Hashem asks is, the same thing we ask of our own children. I don't expect you to necessarily like everything that happens to you. I don't expect you to welcome everything that happens to you. All I ask is that you understand that I am your Father in Heaven and everything I do is for your best interest. It's all for your best. You may understand it, you may never understand it, you may someday understand it. But understand this, I'm your Father, I love you, I of course only want the best for you and your happiness, and whatever I do, <coughs> I do, for you, for your best. The famous story 
Rabbi Akiva, who was walking on the way. He had a donkey and a chicken and a candle. He came to a certain inn and he asked if he could rent a room and they wouldn't allow him. They, were, they had uh, fully occupied. He said to himself, I have no place to sleep. I got to sleep in my car, sleep on my donkey. Okay. Everything Hashem does is for the best. What happened? He's in the desert and a uh, lion comes and eats his donkey. So his animals get killed, his candle becomes extinguished, and how does he respond? Listen, these animals ended up killing my animals. My candle ended up being extinguished. Whatever, Hashem has his reasons. I don't understand it, not happy about it, not enjoying it, but everything Hashem does is for the best. He embraces it. What happened? That night a group of bandits of terrorists came and went to the town. Didn't I tell you everything Hashem does is for the best? If the candle would have been lit, these terrorists would have seen him. If the animals were alive, they would have crowed, they would have screamed, they would have been found. If he would have been staying at the inn, he too would have been murdered along with all the inhabitants of the inn by these terrorists. So Rikiva understood. Now here's the Chiddush. Everybody after the fact would have been able to say, Who wouldn't have said after the fact, Huh, you know what? God's good to me. I wasn't in the inn. And my candle wasn't lit. And my animals weren't barking. God is good to me. Thank God. Thank you, God, for leaving me out in the cold with no candle and no animals. Otherwise, I would have been killed. It's easy. Anyone could see it after the fact and say thank you. What was the greatness of Rabbi Akiva? He said thank you and he saw the good even before it happened. It meant he was ready to say, He was ready to say everything God does is for the good even before he saw the good. After you see the good that came out of what happened, it's easy to say thank you. But to be able to say thank you even before you see the good that comes out of it, that is the greatness of Rabbi Akiva. Within his belief that nothing happens without it being orchestrated and ordained from above. And his trust and his faith in Hashem, who is only good. And all he does is out of Hashem's love for us. He loves us like a parent. Now there are dysfunctional parents. And there are... There are uh, parents who are really unqualified to be parents. And there are parents who masochistically, sadistically don't really love their children. We have dysfunctional, terrible parents. But Hashem is the best parent. He is the proper parent. He is the paradigmatic parent. And Hashem has nothing but love for us. Nothing but love for us. Nothing. I was recently counseling a couple who have a child who's in a particularly difficult circumstance and it was having an impact on the parents. And I said to the parents, you know... This circumstance can either bring you together or drive you further apart, put a wedge in you, between you. But the way it could bring you closer together is that no one on the entire planet, no one, not even each of your parents, as the grandparents of this child, nobody can relate to the pain that you have inside, the worry and anguish you feel for the love that you have for this child, like your spouse. As the co-parents of this child, they are uniquely positioned, unlike anyone else, 
As much as a grandparent loves the grandchild, as much as aunts and uncles may be worried about their niece or nephew, nobody can love as much as that co-parent. So if you recognize that and embrace that, if you invest in one another and you allow it to bring you together, then this particular challenge can result in you feeling even closer together because you've gone through it together in a way that you share and that no one else has. Or it can drive that wedge and so on and so forth. Why am I telling you that? Because a parent has a unique love, a unique dedication and devotion, a unique level of being able to worry and have anguish. For that, they, they, they take a bullet, they easily jump in front of For the child, they would do anything on the planet. Children think they understand that. They don't understand that until they, please God, have children of their own. They can love their parent very much. They can have a karasatov towards the parent. They can have kibbutz aim towards the parent. But until one has their own child, they don't understand it. So Hashem is our Father. He loves us. He's also our King. He's also our spouse. He's also our Master. We have many metaphors for our relationship with Hashem. But within them is Avinu Malkeinu. He is our love. He is our Father. He loves us. If He sees us stumble, stub our toe, hurt ourselves, disappointed, frustrated, in pain, He's in pain. Imo Anochi Bitsara. Hashem is in pain with us. Hashem goes... Now the halacha is that a person goes to Gullus when a person murders accidentally and they have to go to Ir Miklat, they have to go to a city of refuge, the Rebbe Gola Imam. The Gemara Mako says their Rebbe, their teacher goes with them. They don't go alone. So Chazal say that we were exiled. We had to go to Gullus. We were exiled from Yerushalayim. Kashbarchu, our Rebbe goes with us. He's with us wherever we are. He's a loving parent. He feels our pain even when what's best for us is to endure and go through that pain. He understands it. He feels it. He's our loving father. So one should always recognize and feel that. When I asked Martin Judovitz on Yom HaShoah, how did you maintain faith after what you lost? Parents, family, everything you knew after what you endured, how did you maintain faith? And he looked without hesitation or pause and he said, what do you mean? I had lost my real parents. All I had left was Avinu Shabbat Shemayim. I had one father left. What was I going to lose him? That was his answer. Wow. Unbelievable answer. That's the level of Amuna that people of the old generation, you know, they had faith after the Holocaust. Our generation, I don't think, I don't think we could survive a Holocaust, let alone have faith afterwards. You never know what people rise to. Please God, we should never be tested or have to find out. But that level of Amuna, that level of Amuna was able to not only survive, was able to maintain that Amuna afterwards. I lost my biological parents. What was I going to lose my spiritual father too? Why would I do that? Avinu Shemayim, my father, Avinu Malkeinu. So one should feel, my father loves me. He absolutely loves me. He would never want anything but love for me. Rabbi Kiva understood this. So when the candle went out, he said, my father loves me. He wouldn't blow out a candle if it weren't for my best. When his animals died, they were killed. He said, my father loves me. He wouldn't leave me without these animals if it weren't for my best. Whatever he went through in life, he said, that's the secret to living a life of Komando Avid Rahman Alatav Avid. If you say, well, he's my master, maybe he's punishing me. He's my... But if you say, he's my father, it's my mother, he loves me. So whatever happened to me, I don't understand it, but he would only do out of love for me. He loves me. So now I'm able to say, it's Latav Avid. Oh, this is for the best. I can't wait to find out how having a nail in my foot was for the best. Maybe I'll never find out why. Maybe I'll never find out. But somehow it's for the best and I'm able to live with it and say, Kamzlotova. Komandav Rahman Latav Avid. It's all for good. 
Ah, how can you be so confident? How could you know? Because Hashem loves me. It wouldn't happen otherwise. Let's just finish this up. So when the when the person at the front reception at the hotel said, sorry, there's no place for you, he didn't say, these anti-Semites won't give me a room. He didn't say, I can't believe there's a conference in town so there's no vacancy. He said, okay, it wasn't meant to be. Hashem didn't want me to stay here. When he was attacked by these animals, he could have said, I can't believe it. My luck. These animals attacked me. He didn't. He said, oh, these animals attacked me? Hashem loves me, so it must be for a reason. In the name of the great Besht, We have all these... What do you see from this story? Said the Baal Shem Tov about this Gemara in Brachos, Daf Samach. What do you see from the story? It's not just that Rabbi Akiva responded to each of the events in isolation as but that Rabbi Akiva was able to see, kind of what Penny, what you were saying before, that the intersection of all of these things together, there's not a coincidence. Everything was preordained. It had to happen in that way, in that order, at this time. All these extraordinary events happened. There must be one goal for them all. It can't be a coincidence. The candle blew out. There was no vacancy at the hotel. The animals attacked my animal. It was all orchestrated. It was for a matara. There was one goal. There was one theme. And the Baal Tov brought a parable to explain the combination of these things. But we're going to stop here. So we'll pick up with this in two weeks. We're off next week because we're in Poland. Have a fantastic couple of weeks. And we'll resume when we get back.